Hey, good morning or evening or uh, afternoon, whenever you're checking out our Tuesday edition of our Journey Through Scripture. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. I hope that your week has started off well. So we are in the book of Judges. Uh, we're going to go from chapter 11 through 16 today. So chapters 11 through 16 uh, in the book of Judges. Um, you know, we've, we've talked uh, uh, last week, we finished uh, with Gideon uh, and kind of how he uh, engaged and overcame uh, the Midianites. Um, and, and what we've seen is we see this kind of pattern, uh, an unhealthy pattern uh, that is established uh, in Israel uh, of the rise and fall, that the people become further and further away from God, and then eventually uh, God will send a judge to, to rescue them, to bring them back to where they should be. Um, and, and we're going to see that through the, the rest of, of Judges. So if you remember, uh, chapter 10 uh, ended uh, with the people rebelling against God again, worshiping other gods, um, uh, following their ways rather than God's ways. Uh, and God basically was said, I'm kind of done with you. Good luck. Um, and uh, they repent and say, oh, no, God, we promise we won't ever do it again. It, but human nature, we never really grow out of just being children, right? <laughs> that's unfortunately, maybe that's kind of uh, the part of our, our sinful nature is that uh, we do recognize that God loves us and we want to be in a relationship with him. But we're kind of like that uh, teenager that also wants to rebel. And, uh, and when we get caught and we start experiencing the consequences of rebellion, then we come back, oh, please, we'll never do it again. We promise. And then what do we do? Uh, we do it again. Well, that's what the people of Israel are doing. And uh, so we get to chapter 11 and uh, introduce another uh, character, uh, Jephthah, uh, enters into the scene. He's an interesting character uh, because basically uh, he is uh, an, an illegitimate son. Um, the the father um, had had him with a harlot um, and he was part of the family for a while, but then as the other son started getting older, they were like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Get out. So, you know, real, real loving uh, and, and, and caring. So Jephthah uh, ends up moving away. But the thing was is that Jephthah was a great warrior. Uh, he was very, very strong and very capable. Um, and so there was the group of people from Ammon, uh, and they made war against the, uh, Israel. So the el elders of Gilead um, went to Jephthah, from, uh, and they said, hey, come be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. And uh, <laughs> I love Jephthah, his response says, do you not hate me and expel me from my father's, or did, did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now uh, when you are in distress? So he's kind of rubbing it in a little bit. He wants them to grovel. Um, and frankly, I kind of understand. I, I would be a little irritated as well. So uh, Jephthah does say, he says, if you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me, uh, shall I be your head? Uh, which means, can I be your, your leader? And they, of course, said, uh, yes. And uh, as God is my witness, uh, you can, can be the, the head. So Jephthah begins um, kind of to deal with uh, Ammon, and he tries to do it peacefully at first. Um, he, uh, there in, let's see, that's chapter 11, getting in ch uh, chapter 24, he says, 
Will you not possess whatever uh, Chernosh your God gives to you to possess? So whatever the Lord our God takes possession of before us, we will possess. This kind of shows an understanding in that culture um, that people, they viewed it that whenever they uh, acquired land or won land, uh, won a battle, that that was, that was God determining that for them. And so what uh, Jephthah is saying is saying, your God obviously didn't give you this land. You were not able to keep us out over 300 years ago, and you haven't done anything since. Why now are you, you trying to uh, oh, basically uh, not take seriously what your God has already decided? And uh, the people decided they didn't want to listen to that rationale, and uh, so they uh, made war against Israel. So Jephthah um, uh, goes to war against Israel, and this is just an interesting story, and it, it kind of just as a uh, shows how important it is <laughs> what, what, where you put your word and, and when you make vows. Uh, Jephthah says this, he says, if you, uh, he's talking to the Lord, and he says, if you will indeed deliver the people of uh, Ammon uh, to my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon uh, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Now, that that seems a little strange, but culturally speaking, um, it, it makes sense. There was numerous times people would make offerings and pledges to God that if you do this, then I will do this for you. Uh, this is not a good thing. And by the way, this is not a good situation that is going to transpire here. And it's also important to, to know that God did not command this in any way. This was Jephthah that <laughs> decides to do this, but it does give us an insight into what was kind of the cultural norms of the day, um, and which is very disturbing. So Jephthah, uh, of course, he does defeat uh, uh, Ammon, the people of Ammon, and uh, so he goes home, and uh, who, of course, is the first to come out and greet him? It's his daughter. And so Jephthah um, recognizes and realizes what he has promised, that he would uh, sacrifice the first thing that greeted him. Again, why would you do something like that? Except that that must have been a cultural thing. Um, this is not something that God clearly desires. And, uh, and so it, it's interesting, you can read there in the, the end of chapter 11, um, they recognize uh, how horrific this is. Uh, he tells his daughter, and his daughter even understands um, and says, well, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, she goes and uh, spends time in grieving and mourning um, with, with her, her friends, uh, and then she is put to death. Uh, it's a tragic story uh, that gives us a, a a picture of some of the just crazy things within that culture and with that we do in human nature. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And uh, and this this vow that he made, he thought he was bargaining with God, uh, and it also shows his misunderstanding of God. This is God specifically um, was against. Uh, child sacrifice, and was that was something that was called out uh, from uh, all of the other different religions, and uh, and Jephthah is kind of 
trying to, to play a little bit on both sides. He's trying to follow the God of, of Israel, uh, but yet he is so um, uh, kind of permeated, if you will, with the understanding of, of the worship of other gods that he kind of blends those two together. Uh, again, there's, there are things that uh, we can scratch our head and wonder about in the Old Testament, obviously. Um, you know, some of those are things that God has done. Uh, this is not something that God recommended. He did not uh, force uh, Jephthah to do this, but we can still learn of the, the importance of, of vows and the, uh, that we better be careful bringing in our human understanding uh, sometimes to uh, religious practices. And we sure don't need to get into the practice of, well, God, if you do this for me, then I'll do that because it, it does not work and it will not work. Uh, chapter 12 continues. Jephthah is now uh, kind of the judge, the, the leader uh, over uh, that area in Gilead, um, and a mini civil war breaks out. Um, and so we see uh, this strife between the tribes of Israel. Um, so the tribe of, of Ephraim um, begins uh, a conflict, and, uh, and this is uh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> the way that uh, the men of Gilead uh, would find out if a, a person was from Ephraim uh, or not is that whenever they would cross over, uh, they would ask them, they would say, say the word Shibboleth. And people from the tribe of Benjamin uh, and Ephraim, uh, their dialect was a little bit uh, different, and they did not have the SH sound. So they would repeat, whenever you said, say, Shibboleth, they would repeat Sibboleth. And then they would know that they were from the tribe of Benjamin, from Ephraim, and then they would kill them. So it was, it was kind of interesting uh, that we, we do see the differences in the tribes. We see differences in language that's there. And we also, uh, of course, uh, see the conflict uh, that, that is coming. So uh, Jephthah only judged Israel for six years, uh, and then he, he died and was buried there in Gilead. Uh, you have then uh, Ibzon, Elon, and Abdon, uh, the next three judges. Um, and that, that brings us uh, up to the point where the Philistines um, take over the land, um, and they are ruling for 40 years. And that introduces probably the most famous judge, uh, and he is definitely an interesting judge, and that is Samson. So Samson's mom in chapter 13, um, uh, she, an angel of the Lord appeared to her uh, and said, you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Again, we see that a lot, right? God uses people who uh, who no one would expect because they haven't had a child. And so now uh, he comes to uh, Samson's mom and uh, says, be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. And um, see, uh, it's amazing. God knows that drinking alcohol in pregnancy is not a good thing, right? And so uh, we, we see that God um, blesses her with uh, a son. Um, the rest of chapter 13 kind of is the interaction between uh, the husband, uh, Manoah, and he, he actually has an encounter um, with uh, the, the man of God as well. Uh, so they recognize that this is truly uh, from God. And so they have uh, their son, Samson. And Samson is born, and he grows up, 
and he is uh, a Nazarite, so he is not supposed to cut his hair. That is where uh, kind of a, a symbolic gesture um, that you would not cut your hair is a, an act of obedience. Um, and uh, so Sam- Samson is a very powerful uh, person, but he has one major weakness, uh, and that is women. Uh, Samson for sure had a, a weakness for women. So he sees a, a woman named Timnah, uh, or he, he goes down to Timnah, um, and he sees a, a, a woman who is a Philistine, and he wants her for uh, his wife. Well, that that wasn't a good thing, right? You know, the, they should not be marrying uh, Philistines, especially because Samson is is being called to go and to free Israel from the rule of the Philistines. And so he says, "No, I want I want them. That's what I want." Uh, he tells his father. His father and mother both kind of plead with him, "Please don't do that." But it's interesting. It says, "But his father and mother did not know it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, uh, for for the Philistines had had dominion over Israel." So Samson is actually uh, this is kind of part of his uh, strategy to get in with the Philistines so he can uh, begin to uh, free Israel from them. Um, now, it's interesting, as he goes down to, to marry this uh, Philistine girl, he runs into a lion, and he kills the lion with his bare hands. Um, and then as he's coming back, uh, he sees the, the lion again, and, uh, <laughs> and interestingly, uh, there's a, a beehive, if you will, that is formed in the carcass of the lion, and so there is honey. And and so he, he says in verse 14 of chapter 14, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Um, and that was a riddle that he was posing to basically the wedding party, to all the Philistines that were there. Now, the the thing about this is that riddles, that those were, were kind of, uh, they, they were done in a way to show who was superior, right? There's more going on here than just a funny riddle. Uh, Samson is actually using this to kind of show that, hey, I am greater than you. Uh, I am smarter than you. I am better than you. He's setting the stage for that. And and you get a taste of one of Samson's weaknesses. So the Philistine uh, guys, uh, they basically pressure his new wife and say, you need to find out the answer to this riddle because we don't want to look like we're stupid. We need to find the answer to this. And she uh, she asked him, and, and Samson's like, no, I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, it says, and he said to her, look, I have not explained it to my father or my mother, so should I explain it uh, to you? Now she wept on him for seven days while their feast lasted, and it happened on the seventh day that he told her uh, because he pressed him because she pressed him so much. Right, so it was constant that first week uh, after they've been married. Can you imagine what a wonderful honeymoon that was? Is constantly tell me what it, what the the answer is. I need to know the answer. And weeping, do you not trust me? All of this, and finally Samson gives in. And so then the men come and, uh, and they answer the riddle correctly. It says, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And Samson is, uh, extremely upset with this. <laughs> and I, I love his response. End of chapter 14. It says, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. <laughs> so the, let's just say the relationship does not 
start off well, doesn't last very long, uh, and um, immediately uh, uh, Samson um, gets rid of his wife. He says, I don't want to see you anymore, Uh, and he killed 30 of the Philistine men. Uh, so he was was pretty irritated and uh, and frustrated with that, and uh, but that that kind of sets the stage now between the relationship between Samson and the Philistines. Uh, chapter fifteen, um, we have Samson. Uh, I, we don't know exactly how long this would have been, but he goes back uh, to check on his wife. Uh, so he he just kind of said, "I don't want to have anything to do with you," and left. But wasn't really sure was was it officially separated, divorced, we don't know. He goes back to check on her, and uh, the the girl's dad says, no, we've already given to her to your best man. <laughs> that, that always works out well. Um, and so Samson is extremely angry there, and uh, so he uses that as an excuse um, to go and do more damage to the Philistines. And he, he uh, actually uh, sets some uh, foxtails on fire and sends them through the, uh, the, the pastures, and they burn down uh, uh, all the crops and things like that. And uh, so people are, are very upset. Um, the Philistines get so upset that they go and they kill Samson's wife uh, and her father uh, because they felt that it was part of their fault that that brought uh, the the calamity upon them that Samson did. Uh, and then Samson uh, is hiding, um, and and he, he has a few different interactions. Uh, this is whenever in verse 15 of chapter 15, uh, a group of Philistines comes upon him, says he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. I, I prefer he found the jawbone of an ass. Uh, and he reached out his hand, he took it, and he killed a thousand men with it. Uh, these are these are some of the the stories of Samson that that we remember, and that leads again. This he is constantly battling with the Philistines. Then we have Samson and Delilah. Uh, Delilah is from the beginning is deceptive. Uh, Samson has already spent time uh, with the harlot. Uh, now he's spending time with Delilah. Uh, the the uh, Philistine men. Uh, have convinced Delilah to try to find out what the secret is to Samson's strength. Um, she's, and Samson lies to her three different times. Uh, each time, um, you know, he's able to, to be strong and, uh, and she just continues, uh, to, <laughs> to pressure him. It says, verse 16, it says, and it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Right, that's that's interesting, and and this is not to give uh, to let Samson off the hook, uh, but this is not a healthy relationship. Right, <laughs> this is not how relationships should work. Um, but Delilah knows the pressure to put, and she knows if she just keeps bringing it up, keeps bringing it up, eventually Samson would give in, and he he finally says, "It's my hair." She cuts his hair. Samson is weak. He gets taken into captivity, um, and basically they just mock Samson. Uh, but they aren't smart enough to realize that you know you could probably should probably keep his hair short, right? His hair grows back. Uh, they gouge they gouged out Samson's eyes. Um, so he can't see, but they bring him out towards it for a party. And uh, Samson tells the the boy who has his uh, chains, place me under uh, the pillars uh, that are holding this place up. And Samson pushes them down and it just crushes everyone at the, at the party. Um, and so Samson uh, actually judged Israel for 20 years. Those are some of the big stories there. Uh, but he judged Sam, uh, uh, 
Israel for 20 years, um, and uh, and he, he killed a lot of Philistines, that's for sure. So he was used to do some good things, but he obviously wasn't a great person either. He had lots of flaws and did did things that he shouldn't have. Um, but he is he is definitely one of the the most famous judges. So next on Thursday, we're gonna get we're gonna finish out the rest of uh, the book of Judges. That's seventeen to twenty one. I think it's twenty one. So 